standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus, episode 508, coming to you on the 13th, Friday the 13th. That's right. You know, and for those of you that haven't heard, apparently Hamas has issued a, a call to arms for all people all over the world to make us pay. Not quite sure what the goal of pissing off the rest of the world is, but hey, when you're an Islamic uh, terrorist group, I guess that's what you do. All right, so today we're going to change it up just a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't call it going back to the start, but let's let's just take a step back and let's reflect. Let's let's spend a little time talking about leadership. But before we get into it. Let me remind you, the best thing you can do for me, for you, for this show is to like, share, and subscribe to this show. I've got, uh, I got news for you. There's, there's a battle going on, right? The, the war has been declared, uh, and I'm not talking about the third world war that's already got two or three fronts over in the other countries. I'm talking about the war to maintain Texas, the, the war to maintain our culture, the, the war to maintain that which made the United States special. I would suggest to you that we've fretted most of that away. We've thrown it mostly away, but all is not lost. There, there is redemption. It is possible. Uh, I would say that the pastors would say it starts with repenting. And then after you've repented, go and do it no more, right? Go and sin no more. Pretty simple, but apparently that gets lost. Assuming that you've done that, assuming that you're on the right path, we're already there. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Oh, and before I go any further, I kind of got off on a tangent there, folks. Sorry. <laughs> yes, rate and review is extremely helpful. Go to your favorite podcatcher, go to YouTube, whatever. Do a little rate and review. If you're particularly motivated by anything you've heard in the last 500 some odd episodes, do me a solid. Go do that for me. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for anything other than those things. Now, maybe at some point in the future, we'll find a way to give you a value add to make it worth you throwing me a couple bucks. We're not there yet. Aside from my uh, <clears throat> Texacon commercial, which, by the way, in case you've forgotten, the uh, Texas convention is coming up. I've got a link on my social media where you can get some money off. Go check it out. Uh, yes, I am an affiliate. Uh, I, I am going to see maybe a, a few dimes on that. Doesn't matter. I would tell you to go regardless of that or not. And while you're at it, if you haven't already picked up the newest book from uh, Robert West, hey, it's worth your 20 bucks. If you want to make a difference, if you want to impact the community you live in, that's a real simple, real simple, easy thing to do. A low bar there. Once, you, once you've moved past that, if you want to jump up to rules for radicals or confrontational politics, have at it. This is the starter kit, right? And again, I'm not getting anything from Robert. I do consider the man a friend. He's been a good ally. Uh, if he wants to write books, then I'm going to suggest you go read them. <laughs> All right, here we go. On with the show. I'm entitling it Lead On. And what do I mean? Well, Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be in charge is probably the more accurate way to phrase that. They don't want to lead. They just want to be in charge. Now, whether it's uh, from the childhood that I had, 
whether it was from just a lifetime of various experiences with uh, bosses, both good and bad, or whether it's just the military training that I had oh so long ago being thoroughly ingrained in my head, I am of the mindset that a leader gives you an objective and sets you forth to it and doesn't tell you how to do it or what you must do. They'll give you building blocks. They'll give you ideas, but they expect you to figure it out and go and conquer. Now, if you should fail or if you should come ask because you hit a roadblock or you've got a complication, then they should be willing to give you some hints. They should be willing to point you into where you can find additional information, right? But we're not talking about, I'm going to take that hill over there and you're talking to your sergeant. We're talking about restoring or replenishing Western civilization and Western culture in these United States. We're talking about building up and protecting Texas. Notwithstanding our potential independence, Texas still has to stand. Texas has to remain Texas strong and independent. Whether we're an independent nation or we stay a part of these United States, the fact of the matter is we are supposed to be leading. And you can't lead if you're not willing to take responsibility. So now let me take a moment and let's just talk about responsibility. It's one thing when you're in charge, right? When you're in charge and you just order people to do things and you wash your hands, you you walk away and you put it all off on them. I mean, that's a way to do things. You're in charge and now you can go blame somebody of a scapegoat. But if you're a leader, if you've set an objective It's your job to make sure that your follower or the person next down on the chain of command, one, understands the objective and two, understands how to achieve the objective. Now, they may choose to do it slightly different. They may choose to look at different ways to accomplish it. We want to encourage innovation. We want to encourage people to think outside of the box. We want to improve constantly. So if you spoon feed it or you demand that they do it exactly like you told them to, you're not going to get there. Now, the other thing that I learned in the military is they have the planned maintenance schedule, which has the initials of PMS. Yes, I know what you're thinking. And it kind of got a groan every time we talked about it. But those were specific examples where you have to do the same thing at a specific interval in order to maintain a piece of equipment to ensure that it works properly when it's called upon. So there was a specific way to do it. And you had to follow the directions to ensure that it was done properly to maintain that piece of equipment. And if you were to do something different, you were gun decking, you were cheating, you were cutting corners. You were potentially creating a problem further on down the line where that important piece of equipment may fail. Well, we're not talking about any of that. We're talking about taking the initiative, showing some ingenuity, being clever, operating outside of the normal bounds. So in uh, the book that I had referenced a couple of weeks ago called Victoria, one of the things that the characters talked about is the idea that there was this um, Prussian way of doing things, right? They had the general staff, And the general staff would game out and talk about different outcomes and different ways of doing things and consider all the options. Now, they didn't always get everything and they didn't always get everything right, but they at least put some forethought into it and considered what would happen if X happened. They they had an idea of what would happen if M happened. They, They would have a reaction plan for if S happened. 
I would suggest to you that we would be wise to consider that. So instead of being the boss, right, or in charge and laying down dictates, and this is how you're going to do it, and, you know, micromanaging the exact outcome that you want, you need to encourage the innovation. You need to give your young leaders, your lesser leaders, if you will, an opportunity to prove themselves, an opportunity to explore and quite frankly, grow. One of the things I once learned from a manager I had is you have to be willing and secure enough in your own job to train up your subordinates to do your job and to do other jobs. You have to be willing to put in the time and the effort to make sure that in the event that you're gone or in the event that at some point you're not capable of doing that or you want to leave or just go on vacation, that somebody below you is more than capable of doing what needs to be done. Maybe only for the short term. Maybe you don't teach them just everything, but you bring them up to speed. You make sure that they're able to take that next step when the time comes. They call it succession planning. I see very little of that in the business world, honestly, and quite frankly, definitely in the political world. Now, the military, they used to do this. I don't know what they do anymore because I'm not there. And being that they're more worried about the guys being able to wear high heels and tranny stuff, I seriously doubt they've given any serious thought to this, but I could be wrong. So, Talking about leadership, we're talking about the idea of taking responsibility. So we're going to transition now. We've kind of laid out what it is to lay out the charge. Now you have to take the responsibility. So when your people fail or they come short or they run into the roadblock, you're supposed to be there to assist and continue to get them to persist to overcome the obstacle, to do better, to learn, to modify, to change the outcome. And as as a leader and you own this, you're responsible for your subordinates' failures. You're responsible when things don't happen that should happen, when the people don't measure up. And that means you have to be willing to do the work to get them past that point the next time around. That means you have to be willing to invest in your people. That's taking responsibility. All too often, my opinion, bosses or those people that are, quote, in charge, they don't want to be responsible for everything. They want all the accolades when things went well, but they're going to blame you or them or something when they don't go well. And they wash their hands and fail to accept responsibility. I see this time and time again. Well, we're going to do something. It failed. Okay, well, we're we're going to try it again. Uh, We'll see what happens. Oh, we're going to do the exact same thing. And oh, surprise, it failed. And well, now it's everybody else's fault but mine. Clearly, I didn't do anything wrong here. It's on you. Shifting the blame. Instead of realizing that what didn't work the first time has now proven to be a failure when you did the same thing the second time. Unfortunately, Republicans and conservatives, we seem to miss that from time to time because we think if we just go vote harder, we're going to make a difference. If we go yell louder, it's going to make a difference. I'm here to tell you there's a whole lot of elected officials that in some ways, they're not entirely wrong to just quit listening to you because you're not offering constructive criticism. You're not offering them options. You're going there and beating them up and telling them they suck. Now, some of them, some of them do, but not all of them. Not And honestly, even the ones that let us down on 
many occasions, they're actually with us and would like to help us on the other things or they're aligned with us and we need to be savvy enough and smart enough to understand that and get it done. This brings us into results. The next big thing, right? Leadership doesn't matter if you don't get results. What does that mean? Well, one, you can be the best leader in the world, but if you have nobody following you, it means nothing. Or you could be um, the big boss, right? The big guy in charge and everybody follows you to a T, but you keep losing or you keep failing. Yeah, clearly you're the problem. Something has to change here because what we're doing isn't working There are bad results. And when you continue to get bad results, that means you need to change the action or perhaps change the leadership. Now, I'm not a huge fan of uh, football or anything like that. I I do like an occasional game. And, you know, I root for the Packers, especially now that I live in the belly of the beast, right? Dallas. I'm sorry. I just got to go there. But when you have a coach that can't lead his team, or when you have a coach that is outdated or has been, uh, for whatever reason, given up, he no longer wants to lead, they need to be replaced. They need to move on. Now, they may go to another team and get reinvigorated and have a new renaissance of what they're going to do. That's possible. That is a danger. But if they're not willing to lead or they're not capable of leading you well, you can't keep the same person in charge. Because you can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. The results matter. And if you're not showing up and winning, then you got to change something. Again, that is the responsibility of those in leadership to determine, do I need to take a more active hand in what's going on here? Do I need to replace the person that's leading this? Or am maybe I the problem? This goes into the the old Quinny or the old Clint Eastwood comment, right? A man's got to know his limitations. You're absolutely right. You have to be willing to have people that come in and say, "No, you screwed that up or you did this wrong or we have to be willing to look again, going back to the Prussian model of a general staff. They have to be willing to look at everything, including that great idea that they thought would work that failed for various reasons. And then, then they have to determine what do we do differently or what personality should be in that place instead of that. So one of the things that I reference is there's the Von Schlieffen plan, right? This is a guy that had this grand idea how he was going to invade uh, France in World War One, And he didn't plan it well. Why do I say that? Well, it didn't work. I mean, you can have the best plan in the world, but it doesn't survive first contact. And if you don't have a way to work around that or you haven't anticipated that and you can't change anything, to continue on with the plan could be entirely disastrous. You know, there's stories of, uh, I think it's Jeb Stewart, but I could be mistaken. But the idea was I get there first and I have the most stuff and I win the battle. Now, if I'm if I'm giving credit to the wrong Confederate general, I do apologize. I must freely admit the Civil War was not a primary area of study for me. Being a Yankee that relocated to the South, I'm kind of reevaluating whether that was a wise thing to do. But be that as it may, the idea that you have to get there and you have to be prepared to do battle and have the advantage matters. 
And I think that's a big failure we have is we're already there, but we give up our advantage each and every time. Now, what do I mean by advantages? Again, this is the goal of leadership. You need to be able to observe. And if you as the leader can't see it, you have to have trusted subordinates that can go out and do that work for you. And they can determine what do we have on our side? What are the advantages we have that we need to leverage to win? And a good leader ought to be able to recognize when maybe a battle isn't worthy getting into. Maybe it's best to not go to the battlefield and get your butt kicked here and save your resources for a future battle. Now, I know, I know that kind of flies in the face with, you know, the gung-ho attitude, but wisdom plays a huge part in this. Again, when you're a leader, you have to employ wisdom. I talked earlier Well, earlier, much earlier in one of my uh, previous podcasts where I was talking about MacArthur and his whole goal was to go where the Japanese weren't so that he could establish a new base of operations so he could pressure them more. He didn't want to sacrifice his people or sacrifice his tools that he had at disposal if he didn't have to. And I wish we would approach everything in politics as a war because that's essentially what it is. They say that war is an extension of politics by other means, and I will tell you that politics is an extension of war by other means. And what I will say again and again is if you can't fight to win, then you ought not fight. Sun Tzu teaches us that you have to know your opponent as well as you know yourself, and if you know yourself as well as you know your opponents, you'll win those battles. And what I suggest to you is that is an important function of leadership. And you have to also understand that I don't know my opponent here, and perhaps I ought to take some time to study my opponent before I make a foolish move. Again, that's leadership. That affects your results. But moreover, it's work. It's hard work. And when you're in leadership, you have to be willing to take the time and put in the effort to learn what's going on. You have to study the battlefield. And now I'm speaking metaphorically here because This is much bigger than that, but you have to understand everything around you. And then you have to understand the territory. You have to understand the time of day. I mean, again, this is all metaphor. I'm not a brilliant military tactician because that was never something I trained for. I was never an officer. That was never my responsibility. But you know what? As a E-nothing on a U.S. uh, naval ship, I learned that my job was extremely important because I had a repair locker and my job to maintain that repair locker is to make sure that we had everything we need to do, or I'm sorry, everything we needed to do the most important thing, which is to keep the ship afloat and in the battle. So while that little piece of mine was my responsibility, I also understood the next step up. And quite frankly, I never was in long enough to be that next step up or the next step above that. But I did train to do a number of different things that were the next step above me because they knew that you have to have a succession plan. You have to have somebody that's beneath you that can do your job at least reasonably well. Now, maybe they're not ready to take that role full time now, but they need to be able to do that. And the fact of the matter is, is that is a responsibility of leadership. You need to find the people that have the skill set, that have the drive, that have the mental fortitude to do certain tasks and train them up and gear them to go do those. And sometimes you find people that have all of that, but they're out of their depth or they're not ready or quite frankly, they're bad at it. And you have to be willing to sacrifice them to the greater good, whether that means you retire them, whether that means you put them to pasture, 
metaphorically speaking, whether that, <laughs> speaking of metaphors, taking them to the train station comes to mind, but we're not going to go there. Or honestly, you just demote them. You put them in the previous role. Or, or quite frankly, you try them in another role. I got to give a lot of credit to different people that I've known who've worn many different hats, right? And I'm one of those guys. I've worn a number of different hats and I've been successful in most of the hats that I've worn for at least two different companies I've worked for. But then you have guys that they do something and they're just not good at what they're doing. And, and you don't know what it is, but then you try them in a different role because they're a good person. They show up, they do a good job they're They have a good attitude. They're just, they're not flourishing. And when they flourish, the company or the organization flourishes with them. So you want to find the right place to put them. And a company that's willing to invest time and effort to find that right spot to put that person, to plug them in, that's leadership. That's recognizing the value that person has. We just haven't found the right role for them to fulfill. That benefits both the larger organization as well as the individual. And sometimes... Sometimes that means, <laughs> wow, sorry. Sometimes that means feelings get hurt. No leader wants to disappoint his team. No leader wants to, you know, knock down his subordinates, for lack of a better word. But that same leader who has a responsibility to get results also knows that there's a lot of hard work to be done. And if somebody's not up to the task, they don't need to be doing that role. They don't need to be in a spot where they could potentially damage the greater good. They don't need to be <clears throat> lagging behind or causing dissension or undermining the good morale. And yes, this is a, translates to everything metaphorically speaking, right? If you've got somebody that is souring the organization. It's either a problem with the person, a problem with the assignment, or a problem with the organization. And a good leader needs to figure out what it is. But it's work. It's hard work. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. Everybody wants to be the big cheese, be in charge, but they don't want to do the work behind it. They don't want to accept the responsibility that comes with that. So when you're talking about leadership, when you're talking about leading on, leading forward, you have to also make sure that your subordinates rally around you, that your people, if they don't like you, they at least respect you and they understand what you bring and they're willing to follow you. And your people need to be willing to follow you at some cost, particularly when we're talking about military things here, but even in business, there's a risk. There's always a risk when you do something that you haven't done before. There's a risk when you're trying to press an advantage that something could fail or you might come up short. There's always risk, but you have to be willing to take it and you have to understand what it is and what are you going to do to mitigate that risk? And again, that's all part of leadership. That's part of understanding. So as I'm going to wrap up this episode just a tad early, I think. The overarching ideas, conservatives, Christians, Republicans, liberty lovers, we are not leading well. We're not rallying our troops, so to speak, and we're not motivating and incentivizing those that are uncertain. You got to bring people in, you got to build your team, 
but you got to do it in such a way that they're willing to do a sacrifice, not do a sacrifice, take that sacrifice because it's not easy. It's a lot of work. It's effort. It's time. It's energy that you could devote to something otherwise. You, you've got to move past that selfish motivation to the, the greater good, the bigger issue. And a good leader knows how to do that. A good leader knows how to frame things that people understand so they stay motivated. Now, look, you can have an excellent leader that has shortcomings. You can have an, a leader that excels and is the best in the world at one or two things, but they also have to know their limitations. Where's something I'm weak in? Or where's something that, honestly, I it's more beneficial to us, to our organization. If I spend my time working on this, I'm going to put this person in that role. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to protect my side. If you will, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I bolster this area because it's a shortcoming or something I don't have time to devote to. And I'm going to put somebody in this role and they're going to support me. They're going to take care of my people. They're going to make sure this gets done. Well, this translates to everything. And honestly, most of this seems to be common sense. This seems to be something that if you spent more than five minutes thinking about it, you'd be like, yeah, totally get it. That makes sense. So the question is, why is it such a challenge? Why do we keep fighting amongst ourselves? Why do we keep sabotaging people that are good leaders? Why do we not figure out a way to fix their deficiencies or work with them or stay on the team. It's because of that selfish ambition, I think. I think everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody wants to be the big cheese. Everybody wants to be heard or feel important. And that's all good and well, but not when you're damaging the greater goal. Not when you're causing losses that you don't need. Not when you're being overall detrimental to the outcome. So again, good leadership has to have the ability to reflect on what do we need to do to fix this? How do we deal with this deficiency? How do we deal with the cancer? It's not always as simple as cutting it out. That may make matters worse, depending on how far you cut, right? I mean, I, I'm not a surgeon, I'm not a doctor, but I, I've watched plenty of doctor shows and they always talk about, well, we had good margins or we, we didn't have to sacrifice the liver or the pancreas or whatever when we did the surgery. So I can only assume that you can cut too far. That that there are damages that can be incurred by doing, quote, the good thing, right? I know maybe it's not the best analogy. Maybe I should stay in my lane, but that's, that's just what came to mind. Again, got to focus on what you understand, work on what, what can be improved and quit quit, quit undermining the people that can lead us. You know, that's the other secret behind this. Everybody can lead something. Everybody can lead somebody. You just have to understand your limitations. You have to understand that this is not the best fit for me now, or maybe I'm not ready for this or, or you know what? Maybe just maybe that person is really, really good. And I, even though they might bother me. I need to overlook that. A good leader also has a good wingman or an XO if you prefer. Somebody to deal with the things that they know are their shortcomings. We talked about that. But also that can step in if they get cut down. 
Somebody, somebody that can pick up the banner and lead well. Somebody who complements their strengths and overcomes their weaknesses, whatever they may be. And one of the qualities is, is knowing what they are and finding somebody that'll do it and do it well. That's leadership in my opinion. So I would encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, as we move forward, remember, you can lead, you can work together, and we can get to our goals. Until then, I will see you on the other side.